Hello and welcome to a new episode and new season to the Leadership and Construction podcast. Today, I am joined by the absolute brilliant Julie Braunstetter, who is a personal and executive coach from Chicago. Today, we're going to talk about her video series, um, which is Walk My Talk, an article that she wrote about, which is um, Good Enough is Perfect, and all the things that uh, underpins that. Um, So let's get into it. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Michael. I'm so excited to be in a new season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the first episode of the new season. Uh, I'm excited about this. this. I didn't expect this podcast to kind of like go the way it's gone. It was just, uh, you know, I might do two or three episodes just, to, you know, out of fun. But, you know, it's grown. And the beauty about it is I get to meet fantastic people like yourself and talk about my utter passion which is which is leadership really so thank you ever so much for agreeing to be the, the first guest uh or you know in the hot seat for the for this podcast so. <laughs> and and also you know i acknowledge actually this is quite early in the morning for you so i do appreciate kicking off your day with the with this interview because um i think you know we've, we've had we've shared some great conversations already uh, around this topic um and i think you know there's a lot of things that you can share with with the, the leadership and construction podcast that will benefit people so much so i do appreciate that um but first what i want to sort of get a bit more background bound behind yourself you know the sector you've worked in and and then how is it that you've become uh, this personal and um executive coach so michael how about i just tell you a little bit about my story uh, yes, as please. you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a personal and executive coach, but I just started that actually in January of 2021. So before that, I was an HR professional. And before that, I was an advertising professional. And I, I was in the advertising world for about 10 years and just I really got burnt out and realized that I didn't love what I was doing. So I hired a career coach myself and we really dug deep and I came up with this amazing insight that the ROI of a human being outweighs the ROI of anything else in life. So I knew I needed something more human centric and that's where HR was an amazing next step for me. And like many people in 2020, we all, you know, had a huge reflection, right? Reassessing priorities, reassessing what it was that, that truly fulfills us. And what fulfilled me in the HR world was helping and guiding and mentoring and coaching executives and the management team and and everyone else that was involved in the organizations. And so I was like, how do I get more of that? (laughs) And so that's where I decided to make a leap into starting my own coaching business. And it's been going pretty well since January. I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) 
and it led me to you, which is so amazing. No, I mean, obviously you're doing tremendous things. The way that where we've connected over LinkedIn is, is you know, your, your video series, uh, Walk My Talk, um, which, you know, is to me all about accountability and, and um, um, leading by example, which I think are two tremendous uh, skills that every leader needs, essentially. So, so um, yeah, so you started this coaching business, uh, sorry, January 2021. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's quite bold, especially sort of during a pandemic. And, um, you know, if, if coaching is something I come across a lot. Some, the more I do lead, uh, leadership training and learning, the more I see coaching playing a huge part into that. Um, and and so I would say, funnily enough, like 50% of everybody that I interview probably are a coach uh, or in some form or another. And... Um, yeah, a coaching style. You may not necessarily be a coach, but in, if you're not an organization and you're leading people, a coaching style uh, certainly uh, has a lot of benefits to it. Um, so in the construction sector, we're very much command and control, whereas coaching's, coaching's not like that, is it? No, not at all. And actually, it's funny that you say that. I'm, I'm actually giving a talk this week on mentorship, leadership, and coaching, and how when you lead with a coaching mindset, you really do have more lasting impact on on the employees that you're working with. Mm. And here's one of the reasons why, is deep down, we all have the answers to our own challenges, our own problems, our own situations, but we have all of this stuff that's in our head and, and, and all of these, you know, barriers that when we get asked questions and we take a pause, we can actually start digging deep and finding the answers that live underneath all of that clutter. And so when you approach leadership from that coaching mindset, it kind of takes the pressure off of the leaders as well, right? Like they, they don't have to have all of the answers. They don't have to come with all of this amazing advice or impart all of this wisdom. Yes, it is amazing to have leaders who, who have you know knowledge and experience, but they don't have to come fix things, right? It's not their way or the highway. And when you approach it from a coaching mindset, it levels the playing field a little bit too. You know, that, that hierarchy can be a little bit more level because the leaders can can certainly impart their knowledge, but they do it without attachment. Mm. They mm. keep it open for mm. other ideas. Absolutely. And create more of a supportive type environment. And, and it's influencing without power sometimes as well. Historically, we've always, and, and very typical to the construction sector, relied on hierarchy, on power to be able to push things through. And as organizations and, and project teams become flatter, um, you know, that, 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 leading and, and influencing without authority um, mm-hmm. certainly becomes um, key in that in that respect. And one of the first things I spoke about when I was sort of learning more about leadership, one of the things I adapted was I realised that, uh, so in my profession, I mark up drawings and reports for people that report to me. So they come to me with a drawing and I read pen it and send back. Well, what I hated when I was going through that process was people coming back and and rewriting things for me and it didn't sound anything like what I would say it didn't reflect mm-hmm. me and I started to think well that's just the way it is so I did that to others and so I actually realized that 
I, what I, they weren't taking ownership of that. They weren't learning the lessons that they needed in order to grow themselves. So coaching is very much about asking questions. So what I started doing, and I even changed pen color, so from red to green, I started asking questions as opposed to saying, do this, do that, you know. Uh, so I came up with this saying, you know, you as a leader, you've got to ask more questions than the answer. And I would say, you know, you're right. Uh, and about 90% of the time people come to me is probably more a confidence issue and they do have the answers. And it's just about giving them that space of freedom to think. Uh, and only very odd occasion, I might just give them a bit of a nudge in a, in a different direction to go and look at something else. Um, but I have seen, and, and by proof that this works, I've seen in the, in the matter of the, uh, the last 24 months, people grow from that, like really change and develop and, and learn and, and, and the confidence is built up. So I know by experience that that does work and I can see it. I'm not, I'm not brilliant at that. I've got a lot of learning to do myself, but I know what I have been doing. It does work. So exactly what you said, that there is proof that it works and it, and it just takes practice in order to, in order to get it to, to see some results. And it takes heck of a lot of time as well to, to get results as well. It's not that you can get results overnight as I've learned. It's, it's time that it takes and practice. So that's absolutely brilliant. Um, so can we talk about your video series? Sure. So I, I, I try to, it's a weekly series. I try to tune in every week to, to watch it because there's some great insights in there. But it, what attracted me to it was the title, you know, Walk My Talk. It's about accountability. And even in your introduction, um, which you've memorized pretty well by now, <laughs> is, is um, about pushing, you're always telling your clients to push themselves outside the comfort zone um i believe in in pushing yourself pushing your boundaries so much um but in the way of rather than just saying to your clients you've got to push yourself beyond your comfort zone you're actually demonstrating that it's possible to do that um as busy as you are as jam-packed as your life is you've got time to um push yourself outside your comfort zone um and in it's leading by example as we talked about it's it's accountability um and the key thing, which we'll come on to talk about, I'm sure later on, is, is that it's not profound changes of comfort zone. Like uh, all of a sudden, I'm going to become this great leader, which is what I thought it was. It's it's about small, one uh, percent incremental changes that over time compound to, to to you know to have huge effects. So yeah, do you want to just talk us talk us what is what is the video series about? Yes, and and. First of all, I just, I so appreciate you resonating with, with the title itself. And, and it, it kind of, it came from, so I was certified. My coaching certification program is through an amazing organization called IPEC. And IPEC has, I don't know, up to like 30 foundation principles. And one of the foundation principles they have is life is a perfect adventure, a game that cannot be won or lost, only played. And so when I thought about that foundation principle, I, the amazing part of that is it made the thought of making life a game sounds fun. And when I'm playing a fun game of life and there aren't any winners or losers, I can take any risk I want. This idea of pushing my comfort zone is much more attainable. It's, it's less scary. So that's kind of where the, the wheel was born. I actually was spinning the wheel by myself, not in a video series, 
and and was doing kind of these little small action items. And one day on a walk, I was like, hmm, I wonder if others would find this interesting. And that's kind of where where it was born. But this idea of of pushing our comfort zone, I know that phrase in and of itself can sound scary, right? And so when I encourage my clients to push their comfort zone, it isn't far reaching. It's what's 10%. Push your comfort zone by 10%. And the beauty of saying 10% is we all have a different definition of what 10% is. Maybe my 10% equals somebody else's 50%, or maybe my 10% is, you know, someone else's 5% or 2%. So that's what I encourage. Just slightly get outside your comfort zone. So you're not taking that giant leap every single time. And that's where, you know, you had mentioned it as well. I'm, I'm not taking these giant leaps. I'm doing just small things throughout the course of the month. And, and these, these actions that I'm taking are actually turning into habits, mm-hmm. which is the amazing thing of taking those little steps. And, and I just, I wanted to show everybody that what I'm preaching, I'm practicing myself. And I'm, I'm very vulnerable. I'm very honest. I'm very real. Uh, one, of my, one of my most treasured values about me building my personal van is personal brand is about owning my truth and, and really coming to this authentically. So um, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but the, the, my most recent Walk My Talk, I didn't even spin the wheel. I decided that I had already identified an action that I wanted to do based on this. I went to a memorial golf outing for my mom. I unfortunately lost her at the beginning of the pandemic last year. And I had already kind of decided what I wanted that action to be. So instead of spinning this wheel and having it tell me what to do, I, did I even say that I spin a wheel? Yeah, yeah. Did I? The wheel, wheel of opportunity. <laughs> but did I even tell everybody that I spin a wheel of opportunity? You have now. <laughs> People need to go and watch the video series to go and find People out. People should definitely go watch the video series. Yes, I developed this wheel of opportunities and I just put all of these things that I've, you know, either been avoiding or wanted to do and haven't felt I've had time to do. Maybe, you know, something that that just feels, again, 10% out of my comfort zone. And I, I spin the wheel on a weekly basis and, and it tells me what to do. I'm kind of all over the place, Michael. <laughs> but I think, you know, that, that's that's the amazing thing is like when you, you try to set yourself a goal, um, you know, it's very easy to think, you know, if you want to go run a marathon, you think if you focus too much on a, the marathon side of it, 26 miles, that's a big undertaking. Um, but if you just think about it a mile at a time, it's actually not that scary. Um, and, and I think that's, 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 if you think too big, you're more likely to fail. I think is, is the, you're taking on too much of a challenge. If you don't see results quickly enough, that's when you start to think, I can't do this. So I'm going to retreat back into my comfort zone. Um, getting outside your comfort zone, I think is about baby steps. So something I'm writing at the moment, an article on, um, comfort zones and things like that is, is about preparing ourselves um for for things like the the, the COVID-19 pandemic you know things that completely are out of control what can leaders do to prepare themselves we can't 
predict the future. We don't know what's going to be the next thing to come along and completely disrupt our industries. Um, but how do we prepare ourselves and our teams uh, for doing that? It's about building up resilience. And I think part of building up resilience is just slowly in a safe environment of stepping outside your comfort zone, both yourself, but also getting a team to slowly step outside your comfort zone. So, you know, we talk in our industry, we talk about being innovative and pushing the boundaries and stuff like that. And actually we still build the same thing, still build loads the same way we did 30, 40 years ago. So we're not really innovating. We might change the materials slightly, but we're not really. So, you know, we don't, as an industry, really step outside our sort of comfort zone really. Mm-hmm. So it's important. That's a really important thing to take away is, is you know, pushing your comfort zone it doesn't have to be these big, profound changes. They just, they don't, they can just be small steps. And actually that's probably the better way, better way of doing it really. Do you think that's, do you think that's fair enough? No, it is. And, you know, I, I always use a post-it note as an example. So if you have, if, if people write a to-do list on a scratch piece of paper or a post-it note, whatever the case may be, you know, you said we need to be more innovative. We need to be more resilient in, in you know, your industry. Can you imagine on a post-it note if a to-do was be more resilient? Like, what does that even mean? Right? Exactly. So it's hard to make changes when you can't even define the steps to make those changes. So instead of going at it, we need to be more resilient, thinking about what's, what's the first step in resiliency, Mm. you know, and that, that's that definition is going to be different for anyone. And and it depends on the situation, but breaking that down, what is that first step of resiliency could be communication. Mm. We need, we need better communication. Okay. Um, what does that mean? And even breaking it down one step further, I have this amazing tool called Aim Smart, and this too, I'm giving a lot of credit to IPEC right here. I learned in my my coaching certification, and Aim Smart is an amazing tool to help break things down. So let's go with the example of a marathon. You gave that's a really perfect example. So someone says, "I want to run a marathon." That's on their to do list. Like, holy cow, that's a really big to do. So when you use Aim Smart, the A is absolute bare minimum. What's the absolute bare minimum thing you can do to start preparing yourself for a marathon? Well, the absolute bare minimum would be, I I need to buy some running shoes. Buying some running shoes is the absolute bare minimum. Yeah, okay, that, that seems right. The I is what's the ideal step? What's the ideal step for you running a marathon? Well, I still have to buy my shoes and I should start running every single day. That's, that would be ideal. Okay, the M is the middle. What feels like something that's still attainable, but it isn't as low as buying a pair of shoes and it isn't as high as buying a pair of shoes and running every single day if you're not a runner. Well, I'm gonna buy a pair of shoes and I'm gonna walk seven days a week. Okay, that feels like attainable. And then you go through the SMART goals. And you say, is it specific? That's the essence smart. Yeah, I'm going to buy a pair of shoes and I'm going to walk seven days. That seems specific. Is it measurable? Yeah, seven days. I either buy the shoes or I don't, and I'm going to walk for seven days. Okay. Is it attainable? That feels attainable. Is it realistic? Yes. Based on, you know, my schedule and whatnot, that feel, and my budget, that feels uh, realistic. And is it time sensitive? You know, is there a timer on it? Well, I'm going to do that in the next two weeks. So you put that. And then once you achieve that, I bought a pair of shoes. And for the next two weeks, I'm going to walk for seven days. Then you go, okay, what's the next? What's the next thing that you can do? 
And you go through those steps again, what's the absolute bare minimum next step? What's the ideal next step? What's the middle? And you go through that process again. Hmm. That's brilliant. I mean, the AIM, I've never heard the acronym AIM before, um, but I think I've been using that and not so much for a marathon, but maybe just to get back into running because I used to do a lot of it. Um, but very much I bought the shoes and then I just start walking seven days a week. So I, I did that process without really realizing it actually. Um, but actually that's the AIM acronym. We do the SMART acronym in our organization already, but I think for sure I'm going to try the AIM acronym with, with some of my um, uh, people that I uh, lead uh, and, and mentor um, to try and help them break break it down into manageable steps, you know. So it, it helps contextualize it. You know, you can think about it in that way. Um, when I was going through my professional qualification, I was, I was always told to, to become professionally qualified. It's, you know, I don't like the analogy, but this was an analogy I was given. So excuse the analogy. It's like eating a cow, okay? You've got this whole cow to eat. You can't eat it in one sitting. You just have to take small chunks, okay? It's like, okay, but what's a small chunk? You're like, is that... Is that one essay? Is that 10 essays? I don't know. I couldn't work that out. Um, yeah. So, okay, it was an analogy. It, it didn't really contextualize it for me at the time. So I could never really gauge how much is too little and how much is too much. Put it in that respect, you know, um, what's the absolute minimum? Um, what's, you know, the ideal? And then what's the me medium? A name for the medium. That seems like a really great way of breaking that down, you know. Yeah. So the absolute minimum might be just thinking about doing it. And then right. you know, that, the ideal might be, you know, as you say, it might be running, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, once a day or once a week or whatever it is. And then you find that medium. But as you say, it's different for everybody. So that's yeah. a really good takeaway. Uh, something I'll certainly start using myself for sure. Right. Yeah. That that middle, like I said, that's the 10 percent. Mm. That's your your, you know, pushing your comfort zone. Whatever that middle is, is clearly not the absolute bare minimum. And, and it's certainly not the the ideal. But like you're definitely pushing your comfort zone in a way that feels achievable. Absolutely. And less and not scary. That's yeah. the, that's the thing. And, 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 and a lot of people don't go to push their comfort zone because of the fear of what, yeah. you know, you know, going outside that. And, 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 you know, I very recently changed teams with my organization and I was very fearful. I'd got used to being in my comfort zone. I could almost sit back and relax a little bit uh, and going outside my comfort zone. Yeah. It's scary. Um, and it was a push and, it, and it's not easy, but I've grown. I've already seen I've grown. What's more, I've seen other people who, who are stepping into my old role. They're growing as well. So you don't know what that effect might have in terms of you and others if you even just do it 10%. So, so that's brilliant. The one thing I did want to ask about your video series before we talk about your article um, was this will of opportunity when you're spinning that? Are there things on that that you kind of please don't land on that? Please don't land on that activity. <laughs> and yes. do you spin it once or twice? Just make sure it gets the horse the right way. No, it's a one take and one take only. That is definitely what I pride myself on. And yes, eat the frog is one that's on there and eat the frog essentially is, a, it just means do whatever you've been procrastinating, like just eat the frog. And so every time I see that one, I'm like, please don't land on that. <laughs> <laughs> so far I haven't, I haven't gotten that one, but in the early days of spinning the wheel, I added just a fun one. So my two core values are courage and fun. And one of the, one of the items on the wheel that I added for fun was dance like no one's watching for 60 seconds. And 
of course, I think it was like my second or third week of spinning the wheel and I landed on dance like no one's watching for 60 seconds. And I'm like, are you serious? Yes, this is fun, but this is going to take a lot of courage for me just to throw a song on and start mm. dancing. Um, and after I did it, I had so much fun that I actually came on the rest of the week every day and danced to a new song. And so that was definitely something that was pushing my comfort zone, took some courage, but it was a lot of fun. And by the end of the week, I had other people who were like, I'm <laughs> dancing with you. I needed that 60 seconds just to kind of let loose and be free. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Um, so your article, then, so something else that's like, well, I started reading and I thought, okay, I've definitely got to speak to Julie. This is this is too good. Um, the title, again, is, you're brilliant with titles and that might be your advertising background. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I think it was along the lines of, you know, um, just good enough is perfect. And, um, you know, I, I, I know lots of people talk about it. I know Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it a lot and that people searching for perfection is a, just a form of procrastination, you know, you know, the more that we more we try and perfect something, you know, saying in an interview, I'm a perfectionist, you know, it, I don't think is a fantastic thing. Uh, I'm very much not a perfectionist. I'm very much, it's good enough, sort of. Uh, when I started this podcast, I didn't agonise over, you know, how I was going to construct it, what the music was going to be that I was going to use, what the colours I was going to use. I didn't agonise over that kind of stuff. I just kind of decided what looked good first. Okay, that's what I'm going with. And just, you know, just, and I was just winging it. And, you know, I wasn't searching for whatever perfect would be. I don't believe perfection is going to get me that little bit better. I can maybe focus on other bits, but then I'm going to take my time away from other things. And actually, the bits, of, the meaningful bit is the conversation bit, the bit that we're having now, the bit in the middle, that's the meaningful bit. Uh, and uh, the less time I spend on trying to perfect things like the title or the music or the colours, the less time I've got to focus on the bit that's the important bit. Okay, so you wrote this article then that it really resonated with me, which is just good enough is, is perfect. Do you want to go into that a bit more? Yeah, what's funny about that is I never saw myself as a perfectionist. A procrastinator, yes, but I didn't realize that my procrastination was rooted in my perfectionism. And, and I... I I am married to a type A perfectionist. So I think I, I never really thought about perfectionism on a spectrum or on a continuum of like, there's different degrees of, of perfectionism because he is perfect in his, he, he aims to be perfect in his work life. He aims to be perfect in his personal life. He aims to be perfect in his hobbies. And there's just so many times where, I mean, down to like packing boxes when we're moving, like has to be perfect. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's good enough. Like, let's move on. So I never saw myself as a perfectionist. But then when I, when I started to break it down, I was, I was building my website and I wish I would have had your mindset of like, it's just, it's good enough. Right. I, it doesn't matter about the colors. It doesn't matter about the images. Like it's all good enough. And I didn't have that going into it. And maybe it's because of my advertising background. So, you know, I, I just had this expectation on what it was supposed to be. And at the end of the day, when I started to really think about what was holding me back, it was fear. My feet were rooted in fear and my head was in analysis paralysis. And so fear and analysis and paralysis like, is just a recipe for disaster. And so one day I just sat down and said, I'm going to do it. And I did it 
without even thinking about it. And it wasn't until the end when I took a step back and saw what I did. That was where, that was where the pride came in because talk about pushing my comfort zone and, and my two values of courage and fun. I knew it was going to take courage for me to build something I had never built before and, and write something that I'd never written before and, and put something out there. I was putting myself out there. But it was at the end when I really took a look on what I did, I was like, wow, look at that accomplishment. And funny enough, I had a lot of fun doing it as well. And so at the end of it, I was so proud of the product. It didn't even matter if it was perfect. I wanted to get it out there just for the sheer fact of that accomplishment. It was so rewarding and it was so, um, it was a relief to just say, it's good enough <laughs> and hit publish. And I was like, oh my God, I'm an official, I have an official website. So it, it is, it's all about a mindset it, mm. and, and it's easier said than done to say like, today I'm going to have a mindset shift. But mm. I what I would encourage people to do is what mindset do you want to try on? Even if you don't even believe that you can try it mm. on, just what what, what do you want to try on? And for me, it was confident web designer. I'm like, I'm not a confident web designer, but you know what? I'm going to walk that talk. I'm going to walk like I'm a, a brilliant website design website designer. And I'm going to talk like I'm a an amazing content creator. And at the end of the day, I actually believed it. Mm -hmm. And is it the best website ever? No. <laughs> Do I have a bajillion people going to the website? <laughs> no, but if you're listening, jbronstuttercoaching.com, please, I would love for you to go and check it out. But you know what? It's good enough. Yeah. And like I said, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, similarly, I uh, I was inspired by that. And I thought, do you know what? I've been saying for over the last 12 months, I need to put a website together to pull everything together I'm doing on leadership in construction in one place. And so I did it, but my mindset is I did it in about four hours and published it. Yeah. I, I think it looks good, but I'm not agonizing over every single bit of text. Could I rephrase that slightly differently? Could I use a different image? Oh, I just played around and that was good. I might change my mind in about this time. That might, something else might look different to me and I change it again. Uh, and I think that's part of the point as well. You, you, with those sort of things, you can always come back and change it. Like nothing's set in, in concrete to use my favorite type of material. Um, you know, we, 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 everything's, everything's flexible and versatile and you can change it if, if you need to or want to. And so, yeah, getting caught up in terms of, I don't know where I got that mindset from. Um, I, you know, I think partly because I'm dyslexic, I sort of, I've lived with constant grammar and spelling mistakes and, and, and getting, getting things tied up when I try to send an email or write a report or something. Um, and I sort of have this mindset, like, yeah, but you know what I mean, right? You know, <laughs> surely you, you get that, right? Um, does it does it matter that I, I got that one word wrong? You know, and and yes, to some people getting things absolutely perfect is right. And, you know, in, in my line of business, sometimes it comes down to a contractual <laughs> reason. So yeah, okay, there's a time when it, it needs to be correct. Um, for legal reasons but you know um, I think just throughout my life I've um, just you know accepted that if it's a spelling mistake yeah it's a spelling mistake you know it's, it's, 
the, the world isn't going to cave in because of it. Um, and so I guess I guess that's kind of like where that mentality comes from is that, you know, good enough is perfect, you know. I think so, there might be other deep-seated reasons, but I don't know. Well, yeah, can I ask a coaching question? A follow-up coaching question? question? You go for it. All right. What is it about you that allows you to accept good enough? That's a deep question, I think. <laughs> That's a deep question. So what is it about me that allows me to accept good enough? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's, I suppose it's, again, I, I honestly, I just, I, 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 maybe I'm not answering your question, but I think it's because of having dyslexia, I think um, much more broader, much more helicopter view. And uh, I see where I want to get to and where I want this, whatever I'm doing, get to. I just want to get there to A to B as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if it's not quite exactly perfect, then as long as I'm getting to where I want to get to, that's that's okay, as long as it's on that same path to get there. Does it, I don't know if that answers your question or even helps at all. <laughs> but, yeah. So what I'm hearing is that forward progress is what motivates you. Mm. So, so, for example, take this room that I'm in right now. I um, built this office in my garage. Um, I knew exactly how to build it. I designed it in CAD. I even did a spreadsheet for the cost of the materials. I did it before the materials rocketed in price. So I was very lucky. Um, um, but if I look up the corner, the painting probably isn't cut in perfectly. You can't make that out in this environment and no one's going to come in and point at that and have a go at that. And I've got no skirting boards on just yet. But it, it functions as a room that I can come in and do my work. And that was the vision. That's what I wanted to get to. And, and, and we got there. And is it perfect? Not perfect, but it's, but it's, and it is good enough, but it's, it's also like, you know, a little space. So, you know, that I can focusing on work and I can come and have these conversations before my podcasts were all done in like a dining room or, or a bedroom and, and I, like that's just not an environment for doing podcasts so this needed to be done and it was just about moving forward and, and getting to that end result really yeah so it's that forward progress that allows you to accept a good enough mindset as long as you are moving forward and it's not holding you back and it seems like you've applied that throughout a lot of things, throughout the examples that you, you've just mm. provided me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's a taste of what coaching is like. Then. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so when we last spoke, when we talked about, I was really sort of blinkered in that. I want to talk to you about your video series and talk about this article. Um, but then you sort of explained to me that there's, there's something that on your route of discovery, you, you you know, that underpins all this. Um, and, and I might be sort of uh, saying it quite wrong, but the one thing that we talked about was this concept of Kaizen, which I'd never heard of before. And I've done a fair amount of research into it since. Um, um, and it might have been something else. I may have misunderstood, but there was something that underpinned all this of why you do the video series, why you, you know, set the website and did the article. Do you want to go into that a bit more? Yeah. Well, first of all, I can give a little bit more about the the Kaizen method. And that really is what we've talked about a lot is about taking those baby steps, right? It's about breaking down. So when we we talked about the AIM tool, that absolutely is a version of of putting Kaizen to practice. And, And Kaizen even goes further down on 
you know, micro steps. I think you gave an example of step one for running a marathon could just be thinking about running a marathon, taking time every single day to think about running a marathon could be the absolute bare minimum. So it really is about those micro, micro steps in getting to your long-term goals. The underpinning of where Walk My Talk came from and you know the article of Good Enough is Perfect and really all of the, all of the, the blog posts that I have on my website is I'm much more mentally fit than I've ever been. So I went through a mental fitness program in September of last year. And the concept of mental fitness is derived from the practice of positive intelligence, which is uh, an amazing book by Shirzad Shamin. He has an amazing TED talk. I would highly mm -hmm. encourage it. He's a professor at uh, Stanford. He's had He's an entrepreneur across many different platforms, but he's written this amazing book called Positive Intelligence. And, and positive intelligence is essentially mastery over your own mind so you can reach your highest potential to be both happy and successful. And I say happy and successful together because we've all seen successes in our life. We've all reached amazing goals and milestones, but I don't know if everyone listening has been happy when they've reached those amazing goals and milestones and successes. And I don't know if they're happy right now. So wouldn't it be great to be happy and successful all at once? Mm -hmm. And so this idea of mental fitness is about weakening the negative side of your brain, the part of your brain that you've essentially been working out since you were a kid the, the, that part of your brain is where your judge lives or your inner critic or your gremlin, whatever, whatever that, you know, word to describe it, that label that you have. So being mentally fit is all about weakening that side of our brain. And, you know, what our judge tells us, the root of what our judge tells us is I'm not good enough. Right. And so the neural pathways to the negative side of our brain are thick because we've been working out with it for so long. So we're trying to weaken that and start strengthening the positive side of our brain, actually creating new neural pathways in the positive side of our brain to quiet the judge and these nasty characters. If you all read the book, there's these nine nasty characters that, that accompany the judge. It's about weakening them and strengthening what the research calls our sage or the positive side of our brain. And it's really, really fascinating. And I, I went through this, this seven-week intensive program last year. And like I said, I, I lost my mom at the beginning of, of the pandemic. And this program allowed me to feel grief in a way that I had never felt before. You know, it, it went from this overwhelmingly sad feeling to this overwhelming feeling of love. And so when you put it into, you know, professional way, it can be this overwhelming sense of anxiety that can shift into an overwhelming sense of excitement or motivation. And so when I went through this program, not only did I come out feeling so much better and finding meaning in, in, in the loss of my mom and everything that happened to me in 2020, but I also came out way more confident and starting my own coaching business. And that is what keeps me motivated and confident 
and willing to be vulnerable and put myself out there. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And and actually, we should probably reveal that this this podcast is like a two part podcast. Was what we're planning. This is the start. So I'm going to go through a similar sort of. Uh, You're going to go through exactly that program that I went through. We're going to take you through the ringer there, Mike. <laughs> so uh, this is like, this is again a bit outside my comfort zone. I don't know what I'm really sort of letting myself in for, um, but it's a course of around seven weeks. Yeah. And um, at the end of those seven weeks, we're going to come back together again and we're going to explain how, um, you know, that's changed how I've grown and, and sort of compare where I am now to where I will be in sort of seven weeks time so what sort of things am I letting myself in for what's the sort of things I'm gonna have to have to do yeah so there are three core muscles at the root of mental fitness according to the research from the book it's your saboteur interceptor your sage and your self-command muscle so you're first going to start off with getting to know your self-command muscle which is essentially weightlifting for your brain. So the research shows that MRI data will say that if you focus on a specific sensation for as little as 10 seconds, the positive side of your brain lights up. And when I say specific sensation, will you try this with me? I want you to rub two fingertips together, but do it in a way where you actually feel the ridges on both of your fingertips. Mm -hmm. So when we are feeling, you can stop. Thank you for participating. When, or you can keep going. That's the beauty (laughs) of this is you can do these, you can do these anyplace, anytime, anywhere. The, The key is when, when we're focusing on a specific sensation, I actually coach with a meditation rock to keep the positive side of my brain activated so that I can stay focused on the person that I'm talking with. Because when we're feeling those sensations, we're out of our head and we're into our body. Because when we're in our head, that's where all the mind chatter is, right? That's where all the I'm not good enough is sitting. And when we're in our body, we're not thinking. And so for just as little as 10 seconds, you can calm the mind and be more clear headed on how you want to move forward. Now, just like weightlifting, you can't go to the gym and lift a five pound weight and expect to come out, you know, super strong. You can't just do 10 seconds of of these types of exercises and and come out super strong. You're going to be doing these. There's going to be challenges every single day, every three hours, you're going to take a two minute break to activate the positive side of your brain. And then you're going to meet your judge and you're, you're going to, name your judge and you're going to sit with your judge for about a week and get to know the message and reflect on what your judge has been telling you and start to reframe what the judge is telling you. And then you're going to meet these nine accomplice saboteurs. So everyone has at least one or two accomplice saboteurs. And a saboteur is essentially a a sabotaging thought, but The research calls it a character because your true self would never give you terrible messages, but characters in your brain have no problem telling you you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You know, you can't do something. So you'll meet your top one or two saboteurs. And these are saboteurs like the controller, the avoider, the stickler, which is like the perfectionist, the hyper rational. You're actually going to take an assessment 
to see who your top saboteurs are. Wow. Okay. That's great. And then you're going to focus on your sage muscle, the positive side of your brain. And there's going to be five powers that you become aware of that you have powers like empathy, explore, navigate, activate. And you're going to learn how to really activate that positive side of your brain through these amazing powers. And there's these three gifts of, of power, knowledge, inspiration. It's going to be a really amazing ride. Great, it's yeah. going to be a deep ride as well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think, yeah, it's, um, I think a lot can come out of it. And I think um, a lot of it can be applicable to, to how we lead and how we particularly lead in the construction sector. And, 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 and it fits in, in terms of being, you know, aware um, or self-aware and, and sort of being in tune with your um, sort of emotional state, you know, um, you know, we can, we can very much go um, into situations emotionally um, because, because we're, we're, we're overcome with, with that particular emotion or that particular situation. And it, and it doesn't leave ourselves into a good path and it doesn't lead others into a good path. And um, one thing we see a lot in the construction industry is a lot of conflict a lot of distrust, um, and and that comes out of um, you know sort of bad bad energy. It just just you know um, the wanting to sort of you know people to feel our emotion, feel our frustration, uh, and be upset because we're upset. And uh, and and really, it's not needed. Uh, I don't believe at all. Uh, and the more that we, um, in some areas, and you said this really well earlier, that in some areas detach ourselves emotionally from certain situations um but just to look at things objectively and not to not to uh, impose our our emotions onto the situation i think i can't remember what it was you said there it's something along the lines of um when it can serve us and when it can do us a disservice you know that yeah brilliant so i'm really looking forward to that and we'll see what the outcome is then after sort of seven months and i'll I'll try and keep it updated in terms of like LinkedIn and how I'm doing, because this is all new to me. This is outside of my comfort zone. Um, but, you know, walk my talk. I'm telling people to get outside their comfort zone. I do do that. And this is, this is, yeah, this is definitely outside of my comfort zone. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how it goes. And um, in fact, the second part will probably be you interviewing me more than anything else to see how it's gone. So well, I'm excited to turn podcasts. <laughs> post for the Liam. day it's <laughs> a good idea um so gonna have to wrap this podcast up unfortunately it's been a fantastic uh conversation so i do appreciate your time um you've you've provided so much value um and one of the biggest takeaways i'm going to take away is 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 the aim acronym um and i think you know uh before we do wrap this up i do suggest that everybody you know goes and checks out your video series because i think um people start to see that yeah give themselves a bit of confidence about stepping outside their own comfort zones um and explore people's own comfort zones and, and, and see what they can do in terms of taking that one percent or ten percent step forward um so the last question i sort of want to ask um to wrap this podcast up is um what is it that you think is the most important aspect of leadership? Talk about a deep question, Michael. But for me, I think the most important aspect of leadership is that leadership is not defined by a title. It's defined by initiative and presence. So 
If you're out there without what you believe is a quote unquote leadership title, forget that. Walk the talk on what you feel a leadership or a leader is. And then you too will be that leader. That's absolutely brilliant. Julie, thank you ever so much for your time today. And um, yeah, we'll look, see how this next seven weeks go. We look forward to speaking to you again in about seven weeks time. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, everybody.